Good morning, diners and travelers. You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig. And uh, we're going to start off today's program with, boy, did we not have fun talking to Danny Mena. We did. We did. <laughs> He's so much fun. Not only that, we learned a lot. And we learned a lot, too. And, boy, does he know Mexican food. He is a, a native of, of Mexico City, born and raised. And uh, his book... Um, it, it's sort of, it's a play on the restaurant he owned in, in New York, which was Echo and, and Dumbo, um, made in Dumbo. This was, um, a cookbook of Mexican cuisine called Made in Mexico. And it's the real deal, and so is Danny Mena. Danny Mena. Um, you, you've had some really successful restaurants in the States, but, I mean, your hometown is Mexico City. No, that's some hometown. That is some hometown. Born and raised there. Yeah. <laughs> so your book is called Made in Mexico, the cookbook, and I guess it's sort of like uh, Echo and Dumbo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what's kind of based off of that. Um, so every recipe that we made kind of, at the end of the day, it comes back to where where I learn how to, to eat and cook, you know. Uh-huh. And, and it's subtitled Classic and Contemporary Recipes from Mexico City. But you highlight the restaurant, so it's sort of like a, a little restaurant guidebook as well, right? Exactly. So it's kind of like a travel guide of Mexico City, um, you know, the food that I that I know and love out there. So I always uh, kind of uh, went into to to, to impart and to kind of showcase really how great the city is in so many different ways, but especially in the food scene, it's amazing. But these recipes are meant to be made by the by a home cook, right? That's the idea. You know, some of them, uh, we use some definitely some ingredients that are maybe a little harder to find than others, um, but the idea is everything that is really, uh, you know, available to uh, to eat in uh you know, to be able to cook in your house and, and serve to your guests. Yeah, but you really expect me to make my own tortillas. <laughs> you, you know, was, I, had a, I had a lot of friends there after uh, reading the book and inspired to try to do it a little bit, so it was nice to see. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't question that they're better. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, but, but it's, it's sort of not of my usual uh, meal prep <laughs> yeah, schedule. You might have to. You might have to spend a little, set aside a little few hours in the afternoon to, uh, to, to dedicate yourself to making tortillas. So. It's funny, my, my, our host with General Motors to Mexico wanted, wanted to show us how proud he was of Mexico City dining. So he took us to a restaurant that was one of his favorites and he wanted them, he wanted them to serve tamales. And they said, no, we won't do that. You can, <laughs> you can only have tamales for dinner. That's funny. Uh, that is funny. Well, it's like the seafood, the place we went for seafood, um, they, they they only serve seafood at a certain time. After a certain time, there's no seafood. They just close. They just close. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. The mothers are a specific thing, and it's either for breakfast or for dinner. It's not a, it's not a, lunch, not a lunch thing. Yeah. And, but the, the seafood, I mean, this place had a little movable station for washing your hands after you ate your uh, shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish we could remember the name, but we can't. We can't remember it. Although, I mean, I told you there's a, a restaurant I went to probably about 40 years ago is in there. More, more, like, more, more like 50, dear. Is it really? Yes. It's like forever ago. Um, it was uh, San, San 
something or In, in, some out, out, in. Spit it out, Doug. Yeah, it's been a long day already. <laughs> You're the last interview for today. Where did, where did you get the idea of for, for covering essentially, essentially every, every decent restaurant in Mexico City? You know, when we were so the, the food. I mean, the food that I try to do is is kind of you know, I, it's such a loaded word, but it's like typical traditional kind of. You know, classic contemporary Mexico City food. Um, you know, so authentic food as best as I can do it. That was, you know, what what I love to eat. And so over the years with that and Dumbo, you know, it kept on evolving, and it was food that that was always constantly, um, you know, inspired by New York, by Mexico, by you know, Spain, all these sort of things. You know, as Mexican food evolves, like all these things are influences. Um, and so when I wanted to do kind of a cookbook of the food that I love to cook and love to eat. I didn't want to do something where, like, it was, like, basics on, like, you know, what Diana Kennedy or Rick Bayless has done, which is amazing, but, like, how to make this, how to make your basic, like, tortilla, how to bake, like, basic salsa, how to make beans, like, all those things have done, you know, many times. And then I didn't want to go to the other extreme of, like, kind of contemporary Mexico food, Mexican food and you, like, chipotle mayonnaise and mango salsa and those sort of things that I think are a different style of food than what I like to cook. So it's kind of like trying to find out, like, you know what, if we can tie Mexico City back into it, like, just the fact that, like, this is a dish that you can find in Mexico City, like, you know, I was talking to a chef, and she was telling me, like, broccoli is something you never see in a Mexican restaurant in the United States, but I was like, broccoli exists in Mexico, like, it is part of, like, it's there, it's in every market, and you eat broccoli at home, like, it is, you know, but if you're, if you're in a Mexican restaurant, you have to have cilantro, you have to have guacamole, you have, like, there's certain things that are, like, and so, um, so a lot of times, like, some things that people don't associate necessarily as Mexican or whatever, don't really realize, like, you know, a lot of seafood, stuff like that that you don't see so much in the U.S. And so by having something that would, like, tie back to Mexico City also kind of gave its layer of kind of authenticity and, and traditional food that, like, like it kind of, so because at the end of the day, like, what is Mexico City food? Mexico City food is food from all over Mexico, and there's Yucatecan and there's Oaxaca, and so it really doesn't also have the strong identity as uh like as a, as a dish or a cuisine, it's more just kind of the uh, style that is presented in and just the, the sensibility, just like New York or like, you know, other cities that are really, you know, big and bustling have their sort of, you know, things get modified. So that's kind of like the food that I know, the food that I love was that. So that's kind of what we wanted to uh, to kind of showcase. And so that was that idea of kind of really doing the recipes and the food that I like to eat and cook. Um, and where they were inspired from or where you can find a really good version of that or something similar in Mexico. Um, and it was a kind of nice way to showcase a city that I, you know, am passionate about. Now, is, is it the same food you're serving at your restaurants now? You, you have two places in New York? Uh, right now I have one. So Etcher and Dumbo about a year and a half ago closed. Um, the oh, lease okay. was finally up and, and the nature of New York is constant change. So we have one place in uh, Bushwick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have... Uh, Probably like maybe four or five uh, recipes from the book are being used right now, and okay. so it's constantly changing menu. Um, but we have definitely the molars on, and we have a few other ones on there um, for sure. And then right now, I just actually opened uh, a little pop up here in the West Village in New York. Um, and so we're selling pozole. So of course, the green pozole is our is our the world famous pozole from uh, from Guerrero. So yeah, it's one of the, the Guerrero style pozole. Yeah, that's that's in your book, right? In fact, there are several, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, several, 
Now we just we just were fortunate enough to find a really nice little taco place that's, that, that's, that's, that's less than half a mile away from our house. Yeah. Where, where, where you guys live? We, we, we live in Pittsburgh. Ah, okay. And uh, they, uh, well, I don't know where they, I don't actually know where they, don't remember where the owner was from. Mexico our, City. Our waiter was from Mexico City. Oh, that's oh, right. right. He, the waiter was from Mexico City. The, the owner, I'm not sure. Yeah. But it, but it was an, it was an excellent, excellent meal. But you know, hello, Danny's right. I mean, I, I loved, I jumped on the octopus because I, you know, I love octopus and, um, but it did come with mango salsa, and that sort of shocked me, rigid. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you, you, you weren't all that thrilled with the octopus, were you? Well, no, I like the octopus. It was just, I mean, why mango salsa? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I ask that question every time I see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's funny, I was just leaf, I was just, while burning rubber, waiting, waiting for you, for, waiting, for you to call, and then deciding to call you, I was reading about Pujol and the and the fifteen hundred day old mole. Uh, of course, yeah. world famous mole. You're not you're not doing that. Huh? Fifteen. I am not. Days. Yeah, just keep. Sleep. I don't know. You know, I really don't know. It's kind of. I think mole is one of those, and I think he's. Um, and not to speak ill, and I'm sure it does something maybe, but it's that idea that mole is like twenty six ingredients or thirty ingredients oh, or. Know. When like it's it's become this sort of like mystical sort of uh, dish that like only the few can make, and it's something so and it's a nice dish. And I mean, like it's, what's interesting about it, and I think what makes it great is like the sum of the parts is is greater than each individual one. Mm-hmm. So like if you cook it all well together and it all kind of comes together, you don't really necessarily taste the cumin or the coriander or the cinnamon or the clove or even the chilies. Like it all becomes one sort of. Like a curry, you know what I mean? I think it's no more, no less complex than a curry. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a catch-all sort of phrase of just like a sauce, you know what I mean? And so like any kind of stewed sauce in Mexico is a mole. And so like I've seen on recipe, on like on menus and people are like 26 ingredient mole, like, oh, shit, like 26 ingredients. Like <laughs> if it's got 27 ingredients, that's even better, right? Than 26. So I guess, and so it's kind of this idea that like he saves a little. I don't really know what it does. Um, because I know, like, there's a certain amount of fermentation, but, like, then there's, then there's spoilage. And so, obviously, if it's continued just going on and you keep making new batches on a regular, regular basis, so little is kept because, obviously, it would spoil if you had a decent amount. But I don't know what it does. But maybe it does have to be. So, anyway, it's, it's, it's good for uh, good press. Good well, I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I, I did this whole, you know, I don't know how many ingredients. But it was probably close to 28 ingredient mole I once for a guest because you know he was so particular about his food and everything and so I, I really I, I did everything according to the rules and I got the whole thing put together and he says I, I don't need chocolate <laughs> Jesus there goes that one there goes that one well if you remember you sent me off on one of my future subsequent trips to to Mexico City and you wanted me to bring you back the kind of chocolate that was used to make mole. Oh yeah, I needed particular and, but, but Mexican I, chocolate. But I, I speak no Spanish, so I had no chance. <laughs> <laughs> so now I mean how should people use this book? I mean, go through and and see the recipes they like or or 
look up, you know, where to to, to get them in Mexico City or what? How, how I mean, I, would, I, mean I, I would definitely. I mean, I think I think it's first and foremost a cookbook. So hopefully the book inspires you to go to Mexico. Obviously, if you're going to Mexico, definitely worth picking up. Um, to see, you know, places that I recommend that would be good with an insider kind of knowledge of Mexico. And then the best thing sometimes, like, it's even better, like, when you taste a mole, when you taste a, a dish, then you know what the final outcome should be. You know, when you've never had it before and cooking something that you don't know what you're... That's good. Yeah. What, what you're getting to, it's kind of hard to say, like, is this right? Is there enough lime in here? Or is this, like, because you don't, you know, it doesn't, there's no end. So I think... Cook, find dishes that you've either had at a restaurant or that you found interesting uh, or that you've tasted somewhere before something. You know I mean, over the years, like now that I've learned how to cook well enough, like I look at a recipe, I kind of know what it is, and then, you know, if, I, if, if the recipe I find to be to, to my liking, I'll use it as is. But then sometimes I'm like, you know what, I want a little more spice, I'll add a little more of this, or I'm not a huge fan of cumin, so I'm going to reduce that just because my own flavor profile. Uh-huh. And that is kind of like, so I have a mole in the book that's called Mole Mi Manera, like Mole My Way. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, and it's, this is like moles, there's thousands of moles in Mexico. Right. And there's no right or wrong way. Some have chocolate, some don't. Some have pumpkin seeds, some have tomatillos, some have fresh cherries, right? you like, so you can make it. And you're like, I don't really like sweet moles. Some people really love that sort of sweetness. Yeah, I don't so you, it's up to you to control how much you like of that. And that's like, so, a, you know, a good recipe is one that you like. You know what I mean? It's no matter... The best chefs in the world tell you this is the way it is, and if no one likes what it tastes like, then, then is it good? You know what I mean? Like I say, I have the very subjective. Um, so the idea of the recipe is find recipes that you feel comfortable with, and then once in a while, if you're doing a special occasion, you know, set aside a good few hours, make the tortillas from scratch, you know, do all these sort of things, and, and you're going to have a really nice kind of end product. And then hopefully, if you get excited and haven't thought about going to Mexico City, this will guide you and, and give you the reason to do it, because it's such a great city that I, I recommend everyone to all, to at least once before they die to go to Mexico City. And go to the Archaeological Museum. <laughs> uh, totally. I mean, totally. Like, I love that museum. place. I love it. Um, no, I mean, Rick Bayless likes your book. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's been very nice and kind. So he, uh, you know, we've known each other over the years, and, and he looked at it, and he really enjoyed it. So he's, he's nice enough to, uh, to give us a nice little forward. Well, you know, I mean, it's difficult talking about Mexican food just in a general way because it's so diverse. I mean, it depends on where you are and, you know, everything is so different and it depends on, you know, what family's owning the restaurant and, you know, so forth and so on. Um, and then you get past that and you have it all um, brought into the U.S. And, and modified. What do you think is the biggest misunderstanding that, um, say, uh, non-Mexican diners have about Mexican cuisine? Um, you know, one, of the, one of the big ones is that I don't think Mexican food is that spicy. Um, I think people always assume, like I think Thai food, Indian food, That's substantially spicy, more right. spicy. That's spicy. Mexican food has a potential. Like there's always a salsa. There's always a chance of making it spicier than what it's served as. Mm-hmm. But rarely like moles, you have carnitas, you have all of your tacos, all those sort of things come with no spice fish they really like a few stews will be and some things will be spicy but in general I think Mexican food is not um, like if you don't like spice you can live a very you know happy life in Mexico right. not eating any spiciness and then but if you love spice there's always like chili it's like my aunt has a chili and she like really takes a bite of a chili and then takes a bite of her food and kind of goes back and forth yeah. um, so you have that sort of like 
potential of, of, uh, of making food as spicy as you want. But I don't think, I mean, one of the many misconceptions I think is that it really isn't as, uh, as piquant as, uh, as people believe it to be. Now, what's, what's your take on the, on the issue of Montezuma's revenge and things you should not eat when you're in Mexico City because? You know, it's funny. When I first moved to the United States, I came to the U.S. for college. Um, and I, what I called is I had George Washington's revenge for like, a, for like a month. Um, <laughs> and, and it was interesting, but it was, I, you know, Mexico has a whole different strain of bacteria. Yeah. Um, so yeah. my wife's American. And she always, when we go down there that first day, we go down for like a summer, um, for like a month usually, because she's a school teacher, has the time off. And like the first week is always a little bit troublesome. Um, and, and, and there's not a whole lot you can do, um, to, to, to nullify it. I mean, like, if you, you can drink beer and only from bottled water, but you still take showers in the water, like, there's just bacteria and all the different things that are going around. And it's so, like, you can take a little more care in washing your fruits and doing a few other things. But until your your body acclimates to the new bacteria, you know, like there's there's obviously like monetary revenge, which is just like your body, and, and then there's like food poisoning, um, yeah, and that's when they they definitely just just be careful and really like I mean, but like my kids who are five and three, and they've been going down since they were very little, have never once had an issue, and we, yeah. they feed and they eat and they touch and everything, and you know they have had that that uh, that I really believe is just kind of your body acclimating to whatever. You know, area that you live, um, but most people I go down with and, and, and travel with, I have, have little issue. But definitely, if you're sensitive, um, you know, some people take a Pepto-Bismol every day, whether they need it or not, and like Alka-Seltzer, and like Imodium, <laughs> and so it's like you know, everyone has their sort of thing. Well, you, know, you, kinda... can, you can lose that immunity too, because we had some um, uh, kids, uh, students um, here in the in the states for two months from Guatemala. And when they went back, they had problems because they lost that immunity. Yeah. So that also yeah. happened, yeah, because yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of... As long as there's enough Dos Equis and Mondello, you'll be okay. <laughs> it should be fine. A little bit of mezcal to really clear yeah. you up. Now, tell me about the... the is, is this... Is mezcal on the rise as, as um, sort of winning out over tequila now? And what's the other thing that everybody's drinking? Uh, Sotol? Okay. That's the one you have? I'm trying to remember. Or Ricea. There's another one, Ricea or Sotol. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Mezcal. Now you have some sort of interest. Hello? Sorry, sorry, that was just like. Yeah. Um, you have some sort of interest in a Mezcal company. Yes, I have a, I have a Mezcal brand. Um, that I, uh, you know, that I started about 10 years ago with someone, or I kind of joined on about 10 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, Mezcal is something that is, that little by little has gotten more and more popular. It's still, it pales in comparison to tequila. I mean, tequila probably sells 50 uh-huh. to 100 times more than what Mezcal sells. Uh-huh. Um, so, but it's kind of, uh, uh, people like to hear about it and talk about it, and it is sort of this, uh, you know, this, uh, this kind of new, new trend. Um, it's got a great sort of story and everything. What is your that, you brand? Know, What's your because brand? Because so I have two brands. I have one brand called Mezcales de Leyenda, okay. the, the legendary mezcals, um, and another brand called Peloton de la Muerte, which is like the, the peloton, like the squadron of the Brigade of Death. So when the founding <laughs> father of Mexico, Miguel Hidalgo, in 1810 was killed, 
they formed this squadron of death. So there's this really cool flag and this kind of cool history. We kind of named the, the, the brand after that, and of course had the word death and everything. That was really really fun. So, uh, so it's been a been a been a good brand for us. Now, do you do you have sangrita with your with your mezcal, or is that only I, with tequila? Usually only with tequila. I, I the mezcal I kind of like the way it is. Um, so it's you don't. Uh, I don't have it with sangrita. You normally don't, don't see that. So sometimes the Oaxaca will sell on orange, dipped in a little like chili salt or warm salt, but uh, but well, not the sangrita. Well, the, the 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 bartender at the American Airlines VIP lounge in the Mexico airport used to used to make his own sangrita. So 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 if you you had a hope he would be in early enough before your flight, <laughs> so, so, so so you could load up on some medicine. <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, yeah, well, well then, I mean, I, I love Mexican food, and and uh, you you got down to some really good, um, just really delicious recipes. That I mean, everybody's going to love, I think, in in this book. And um, so I'm, I wish you success with this, and also with your mezcal. Where do you get the mezcal? Uh, the mezcal, like it's, you can find it like online, like, uh, you know, Astro Wines or this place called Town Tequila that has like a lot of mezcals. You can get it now. We're in like, uh, 20 states. Pennsylvania being a, uh, control state is a little bit tougher. Yeah, I know. So we're a little bit in Pittsburgh and a little bit in Philadelphia, but few and far between. Uh, but, in, but we're about 25 states now in the, in the, in the country. Oh, so. great. Kind of all around. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you, you made me want to, to buy a plane ticket, Danny. <laughs> Danny Miller. That's, that's the goal. Uh, that's, that's like the highest uh, compliment. I, so. um, I miss it. I, I really do. And uh, I would ask you, the, the design on the cover of this book, um, the, what, what does it come from? It's so, so familiar. Was, it, you know, it was just a, uh, it was the designers. I mean, th- this was the, the, the background, the gray. Yeah. It was just a, it was a concrete sort of like tabletop at a front house, uh-huh. and so uh, we're taking pictures. And, and so when we were going back and forth, our designers they put together this kind of logo, and they used different sort of options, uh-huh. and they had tons of them. And this is the one that you know just called on my attention that we had a choice of doing like a food or doing something like this. And I thought this was so cool oh, to be able to do cool. this design. Very cool. Yeah, so it's kind of like so it's, you know it has that Mexican texture. And there's concrete which you kind of see everywhere. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really Mexican without being. You know, without a cactus or the pink, you know what I mean? Like, without being over the top of being really Mexican, you know what I mean? And that's kind of the goal of the, the book. Yeah, the, the worst one is that picture that the man and woman in the pink suits. <laughs> that's pretty funny, though. They, they, were, they were very willing to pose in a, well, so we asked them for a picture. So. I'm sure they were. It's too, it's too real to really be funny. <laughs> Uh, no, it was pretty funny. It was really good. Well, anyhow, again, it's a Made in Mexico, the cookbook by Danny Mena, and uh, lots of success with the book, Danny, and thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much. You guys have a great, great day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so after the break, we're going to turn in a slightly different direction, but... No, we're no. still going to be dealing with um, good recipes. And oh, sure, sure. Light, well, good flavors. Well, we're always doing that. Right. You don't get on the program unless you can do that, right? Right. So anyway, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back, so don't go away. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.com. 
www.bibleschool.net. Welcome back, and our next guest is somebody else we really enjoy talking to. Um, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm putting Yasmin Farr in a category, somebody I would love to have dinner with on a regular basis. She's no-nonsense about flavor, lots of great recipes, lots of great flavor, but her book says it all, Keeping It Simple, Easy Week Night One-Pot Recipes. Um, you're going to really want to stock up on these. We we heard, by the way, that she likes us a lot too. So, <laughs> so anyway, here's Yasmin. Here we go. Jasmine Farr, you're right on trend. And not only that, you make it all fun. In your new book, you're keeping it simple. Easy weeknight, one-pot recipes. That's where it's at right now, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think so. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned to you just when I first talked to you that uh, you, there's this great fun component to this cookbook. And you seem, just the way you write, but also in the photographs, you seem like you're having a hell of a good time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the photo shoot itself was so much fun, you know, creating the book was so much fun, and I really want people to have fun while they cook, so I'm glad that comes across. Well, you know, I mean, I I, I said, you know, this is sort of on trend, but um, the other part of the equation is that I'm, I don't really understand these meal delivery things, you know, <laughs> is it that people can't yeah. get a shopping list together or what? I know, and I wonder if it's really helpful just to have those, like, bit, a little bit of ingredients? Like, does it save you that much time? So, yeah, I've never actually tried one, though. Have you? No, I have no interest in doing that. You I cook for yeah, hours. Right. <laughs> I could walk, yeah. Anyhow, um, you, you have to open um, the, the, this book, How to Use This Book, which is always a really good thing nice to, to give start, information, yeah. to give the yeah. readers and um, so where where do you say, including the hula hoop, which I love, by the way? <laughs> well, the, um, yeah. The, the interesting thing is what it says on the back. Which one? Yeah, oh, do you like that? On the back it says this this oh, book yeah. is intended to be... Spilled and splattered on, and then on and on yeah. and on with that, which is true. You know, I can tell from the, the books coming in, which we get, like, mm-hmm. daily... <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, that they've moved from that for a while. We had those coffee table books by the big time right. chefs and and so on, and we've moved from that to really simple, easy to execute, healthy but um, doable for on an everyday basis, uncomplicated. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and I yeah, and I mean I agree. I think there are some beautiful books out there that you just want to like you know kind of flip through, look at the images. But I really, I, mean, I think this book is beautiful too. But like you said, I really want people to cook from it, use it, and so I think that's the greatest gift to an author is having you know the book spilled and splattered on, you know, earmarked and kind of um, you know marked up with like notes because then I know people are cooking from it and it's actually you know useful to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can look at the stains of my books and remember the part yeah. of the day I made exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's great memories and. Yeah, it's really wonderful. I, I love cookbooks, so. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, you have uh, some little icons that you use. Explain mm-hmm. what those are. There's the hula hoop. There's the hula hoop. She does keeps it in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, what you're well, making risotto, it. and you you do that in between the stirring or what? Yeah, sometimes when things have to simmer or they're baking, I keep a hoo hoop and I just kind of hoo hoop around while I wait for it. Um, you know, I've mentioned that in the book because I want people to do, you know, whatever makes them happy while I cook because cooking is really fun. You know, it doesn't have to be stressful. Um, so it can really be enjoyable. But um, the icons in the book are kind of like recipe notes about little info, swap outs, like seasonal ones. And then I have something called efficiency moves, which is, uh, basically, like, how to tackle a recipe from start to finish. So it tells you what to start with, what to do during downtime, and which could be hula hooping or drinking wine or checking your phone, um, but just to kind of help people know how to make a recipe. Now, I mean, the thing that really moves this book along is, is your sense of humor. You take okay. humor in all <laughs> kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. It comes through so strong, it's wonderful. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I... I really loved writing the little essays and notes, and sometimes I was like, am I sharing too much information? But I'm glad people like it. You know, well, you like it at least. I like, I like it. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you going to send Cornell a copy of the book signed and say, now please, please <laughs> name a sandwich after me? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's still a lifelong dream. I joke about it, you know, trying really hard, but I haven't given up yet, you know. <laughs> So hopefully they'll put me up, you know, after the fact. I don't know. A local chef named a dish after me, and it was so awful. Ah. The chef was, I mean, oh, really? the, the dish was so awful. Oh, no. <laughs> I was embarrassed. <laughs> You're like, thank you, but no thank you. What do I, I had say? no choice in the matter, which is, although right. um, then another chef named a, um, a cocktail after our program. I like that a lot. Oh, that's a good one. Well, the recipe yeah, came to me in the, in, in the middle of the night, and, and uh, I, I gave it to him. And I gave him the oh, pears to be smoked for the cocktail. Anyhow. Um, okay, so great. you go yeah. on. And here's another thing that absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, having myself having written one of these chef's cookbooks, um, mm-hmm. I loved I mean, what what do these things mean? These phrases. I love your section. Good to know words oh. and phrases because I mean, <laughs> to me, I'm writing this. It's like automatic. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Auto write, and and who knows what they mean? Explain exactly. some of them. Yeah. Well, I think for some, for example, the terms like stirring frequently versus stirring occasionally, <laughs> you know, sound very simple, right? And I remember when I, like, I mean, like you said, now it's very common, like, we know them inside out, but when I was starting to cook, I was like, what does that mean? You know, like, looking at every word on the page, and I was so nervous. So I really wanted to help people, you know, if they didn't know these phrases were, to have kind of, like, a reference of, you know, stirring frequently is every 30 seconds, or kind of, you're really watching it. But stirring occasionally, you know, you can stir, like, look at your phone, look back, and it's kind of, um, you know, I mean, that's what I do, right? So, um yeah, so hopefully that section will help people who are new to the kitchen or just don't know these phrases because I don't know when you learn them, you know? I know. I mean, it's like everybody, it's accepted knowledge, except to people really yeah. know what any of it means. Right, and if you don't really know or you're just starting to cook, it's like, 
well, where, where are you supposed to learn? So hopefully this is that helps people out. So now some of you, what are some of your favorite things to know in the kitchens? Um, in the kitchen, things to know in the kitchen. Um, my favorite is I, I'm a, a, a real missionary about the benefits of citrus. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, well, Kenji, my editor at um, Serious Eats, that was one of the things he really taught me because a lot of things taste under seasoned, but, seasoned, but they just need more um, acid, you know, such as like citrus or something to balance it out rather than salt, which I think is just like a habit that people do. So, um, and I love lemons. Like I use it so much, you know, in the book and in general. And I think it really helps balance out a dish. Oh, it does. I mean, just about yeah. everything could benefit from a little spritz of exactly. lemon juice. And you mentioned exactly. Kenji. I adore Kenji. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Everybody so does. Like, right. He's so smart in his books, and he was so wonderful to work with. I felt really lucky I got to work with him for so long. So uh-huh. that was great. Now, now, when we changed our whole concept of boiling eggs at the base of Kenji. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whenever I have like a science question, I'm like, all right, what will Kenji do? <laughs> like, he's the one to go to. So, well, he he was right. He was right on with the boiled eggs, which <laughs> which, which we which we did not believe. <laughs> and you tried it out. <laughs> oh, it, it's it's be, it's become the the secret sauce for boiling eggs. And the the only problem is if you're in England where the eggs are much smaller, it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, well, you yeah. have to adjust the, it. The yeah. formula doesn't work quite the same way. Okay, yeah. so you, let's see, we go through tools, um, mm-hmm. and, and you, you sort of have the same uh, favorites that we have, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're go-to. It's like, let's get real. Yeah. Exactly, and they're pretty basic. I mean, they're not, you don't really need anything fancy to make this book, or make the recipes in this book, which is how I cook anyway. Right, but you know, the, the recipes themselves are not dull. I mean, they're... Oh yeah. I mean, they're they're uh, good. They're good tasting. Thank they're, you. They're yeah. I mean, yeah. they're not boring and they're not they're not simplistic. They might be simple, but they're not simplistic. Yeah. Well, Thank you. Yeah. Why don't we yeah. Why don't we take a couple and yeah, take walk, a couple. Walk walk us walk us through a couple of your favorites. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I love. There's a baked feta with greens and chickpeas and a lemon tahini dressing. It's in the oven to table chapter, and I love that one because it's—you basically put everything on a sheet pan, put it in the oven, and walk away. And you know, I've that with like, greens and lemon tahini dressing. Yeah, exactly. It's in the oven to table chapter, and it's so easy. And um, I make that all the time. I do like different variations as well. Like I'll put broccoli or mushrooms instead of kale, just to switch it up, and it makes great leftovers. And it's just so easy. Uh, so I think that chapter is really nice because there's. Also, like a roast halibut that you put in with lemon um, and tomatoes, and you just have this beautiful meal in less than 30 minutes. But it is interesting, and it does taste good, like you said, but it doesn't take a lot of effort, yeah. which this, I'm um, all about. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that as, as, um, the reader or cook, I guess, goes through the book, they'll figure out pretty quickly what your favorite things are. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, one of them is feta. You love oh feta. I love feta. I know. My editor even made me take it out, take some out of the recipes, because she was like, this is not a feta cookbook. You can't put feta in every recipe. I was like, okay, okay. So I had to use some other cheeses, but yeah, I really love feta. <laughs> no, uh, uh, 
the one who says that Bulgarian, kind of, that is the best. Yeah, Bulgarian. That's my favorite. I'm yeah. very now, passionate about that. What's your background, Yasmin? Uh, it's Persian, not Bulgarian. Persian. But, yeah. Well, I don't know why you want the Bulgarian feta, then. You just like it. Yeah, um, well, I grew up eating Bulgarian feta, and my dad really liked it. And so I think, A, I probably got used to the taste of it, but um, I think it's creamier than a lot of the other fetas you find, and it's usually found in the brine. So I think feta in the brine in general is more flavorful. And this one is made mostly with sheep's milk, but it can be um, a mixture of other cheeses. So, I, yeah, it definitely is my favorite. And, yeah, that's it, you know. No, um, we just found this mess. Fabulous buffalo mozzarella. Um, oh, who's the, oh, it was fabulous. It's fresh stuff that comes. They get the milk from southern Italy every, every, oh, day. Wow. every, every day. day. And I don't you know. You get they, that every day. Hmm? Do you have it every day or they make it every no, they, day? No, no, no. The company gets it sent. They have a, a, a yeah, factory or production oh. facility in, is it Jersey probably? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. And they, so they make it, they air freight all this buffalo milk from southern Italy, and then they make this feta. Uh, I mean, I, I freaked out. Mozzarella. I'm sorry, not feta, mozzarella. I got got feta on your mind. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, but, I mean, I freaked out over the, uh, uh, the the fresh buffalo mozzarella with truffles. Oh, yum. Fresh. It's oh, so good. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, but this whole sample shipment arrived, and we we were about to leave for, <laughs> for, for two weeks. So, so, so we oh, said, no. what, can, what, what can we do? So we, so we gave them to friends. I mean, what, what are you going to do? That, well, I that, ate. I I ate oh. They're our best oh. friends forever. Yeah, but I, I ate <laughs> exactly. a lot of Exactly. <laughs> Lucky friends, right. So I you ate were a lot to, of that. Yeah, you, were start, you were starting to look like a cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so now, um, the other thing is that uh, I guess since from where you, your, your background is, tahini is mm-hmm. sort of a, a staple in your family uh, recipe list. But have you noticed how popular it's become now? Yeah. I was just talking to someone. It's really interesting to see recipes that I grew up eating, you know, dishes that my parents would make, all of a sudden being in newspapers and magazines, you know, because that wasn't really happening when I was younger or even until the past few years. So it is really interesting to see to see it happen. That's funny because, I mean, I grew up on Sicilian food and uh, I always was happy with what I was eating. (laughs) I didn't didn't think it was strange at all. (laughs) Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. So, what what other, uh, some other recipes you'd like to highlight here? Mm, I mean, you um, have also a, a thing that, I mean, I like this, what we were talking about, you say, Faster than delivery. Yeah. And you have a whole section uh, on shortcut cookery. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the faster than delivery section is great. Like what I talk about is using um, paste or um, condiments that kind of do the work for you. So rather than you taking the time to build flavor in a dish, you use these sauces, paste, condiments to add a ton of flavor in a short amount of time. So that's a lot of this chapter using, um, you know, like a Thai curry paste or miso or even Dijon mustard to really um, enhance a dish without doing a lot of work. So, and then a lot of these dishes can be made faster 
I mean, than the time it takes for delivery, right? Which is like 30 minutes. I'm trying to picture, so somebody's going to be the kind of person who orders out right. in this <laughs> and they get this box of ingredients. Okay, they. I guess mm-hmm. the ingredients are already prepped. Is that the deal? I think so. Like I think if they're portioned out for you, so, or like you'll have an onion, and maybe you have to cut the onion, but you'll have everything you need. So you don't have to. But you still have to figure out the, the whole strategy of it and putting it together, which is probably the most complicated thing about cooking. Yeah, yeah. you know, one of my friends did one of them, and he said, I think it assumed that he either knew how to do something or had something in his kitchen, which he didn't, so he couldn't even make the recipe. So I think it's hard if you just get something in the mail to just make it. And I think it's a lot more fun to make it yourself, like you were saying. You know, it's really enjoyable. And cooking is great and fun, so. Yeah. And you also, you do something else I like a lot is you use bread and soups and things like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I was, love it. I was confused about that soup that had tomatoes and bread in it, but it was different than panzanella. Yeah, it's a similar idea. It's like a papa al pomodoro where you use leftover bread. I mean, it basically is sort of a tomato sauce with chunks of bread inside, um, which I love because I love tomato sauce. But it's a great way if you have like half a loaf and you haven't eaten it or frozen it to kind of toast it and put it into something. So nothing goes to waste and it's really filling and easy to make and inexpensive. Yeah, on on the menu has a bit of a problem with that because we never have any bread in the house. Oh, no, we, we <laughs> had that. We've had the well, frozen you, well, flatbread. You, yeah, you've been, using, you've, been, you've been using a substitute. Yeah, that's a good flatbread, by the way, if you're not going to make your own contos, K-O-N-T-O-S. Oh, really? Yeah, and oh, I, I freeze it. I mean, they, they have different varieties of it, and I freeze it. And then when I need bread, since we don't keep loaves around the house, unless yeah. it's something we need, like fine crusty bread or, bread or something, and you just thaw it and you put it in, like you make your panzanella or you make whatever you're doing. It's good. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, um, it, the other thing that's really popular is uh, tacos. I don't know how many taco restaurants yeah. have opened, and um, you have a how to have a party taco bar, <laughs> which sounds like m- much fun. Explain what you do with that. Yeah, well, the idea came because I went to um, New Orleans once, and there was like a make your own Bloody Mary with a toppings bar. And I just think it's so much fun when you can have a bar and people can kind of do it themselves and make their own tacos. So this idea is to make um, steak tacos, but you can also make like a veggie black bean one, um, a chicken one, a seafood, and then just have kind of condiments and sauces spread out so people can do it themselves. It's really easy to put together, and I think it's just fun when you're trying to feed a bunch of different people and everyone has different preferences and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, so I decided to create a party taco bar. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I'll invite you over. We can make a party taco bar. Okay. <laughs> there we I, go. We'll have a Bloody Mary bar, too. Exactly. Definitely. Good call. Good call. And a margarita bar, maybe, you know. Yeah. The, the, uh, I tell the story of when I had a margarita party, and it started at Ooh. 7.30, and everybody was gone by 9. They were all zonked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't get, they didn't get anything to eat. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds perfect. <laughs> Anyhow, is there anything else about it that you are really proud of that you want to talk about in your book? 
You know, you've got squid um, and pasta with chili and crab. Yeah. Now, hello, that sounds fabulous. I know, and it's one of those ones that I always see on restaurant menus, but it's actually not that hard to make at home, and it's in this chapter called Looks More Impressive Than They Are, and it's like definitely one of those dishes that you know looks super fancy, but it isn't that hard to make because it's one pot, very easy. Um, yeah, I actually like that chapter a lot, too. Because, um, yeah, it's fun for inviting people over and it looks kind of fancy, but you didn't really do that much, so. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't, have, a, we don't have a good source for squid. No, whole, whole food oh, yeah, try this one. Whole, Let me know what you think. No, it's a, it's a matter of having the raw ingredient because um, we shop mostly at Whole Foods because it's so close to where we live. Um, and it, 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 turn, it turns out that they, they, they have... Penn Avenue, Penn Avenue fish t- is a 50-minute drive each way. I mean, the, the only problem with the Whole yeah. Foods these days is there are so many shoppers, personal shoppers yeah. going around. They, they, yeah. they, they, fill, they fill the store. I mean, you see them load, loading them in their cars and yeah. setting off and driving well, them around. What about the giant eagle? They have all these robots roaming around. I think that's no, really funny. Really? I'm not oh, sure. yeah. Oh, they, 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 they stack the shelves and they... Find things for the shoppers, you know, they to go. Oh and, my gosh! Oh yeah, they're little kind. Of, they're and they they know you're coming, so they step aside. <laughs> Stop it! Oh my god, that's so cool! <laughs> I haven't uh, seen that yet. Oh yeah, and, and I don't know if you've visited anybody in a hospital, but they have robots delivering the medicines to people to the nurses' wow. stations. And they just oh go up and down ramps. And again, they step aside wow. if you're getting close. <laughs> well, we're living in the future. Like, this is ridiculous. It's amazing. Well, yes. we haven't wow. got self-driving cars yet. All of they're testing it all over Pittsburgh. I know. Mm. It's happening. Yeah, this is, this, is one, this is one of their <laughs> test beds. Yeah. Well, wow. listeners, this, this is a book that, I mean, it's really going to be useful to you. Because if you think the cooking simple simple is simplistic it's not and it's not boring and it, this is yasmin far keeping it simple easy week not night one pot recipes which of course also helps you with the tediousness of cleanup and the, the interesting recipes engaging and things you're going to want to eat as well as cook anyhow i think Oh, Thank yeah. you so much for having me. This was so well, much fun. fun. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know I like you because I, I like the person. Your personality comes out in every recipe. So. Do, you, do you have her email? Oh, good. Yes, I do have her email. Because Anne's latest is she's now she's now a texting champion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she finally, the email's she finally, not going to have anything to do with texting. She finally <laughs> she finally figured out how to text. And what Perfect. what is it? Well done. <laughs> what is it you say? K. K. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay, until the next time. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a good one. It's a good sign out. <laughs> Anyhow, Yasmin, it's fun talking to you. Great oh, book. You too. Much success. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and having me on. Podcasting services for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.com
finally, um, we're bringing you something that you can kind of use to elevate your weekday meals. Um, we're going to talk to Justin Gill, who's authentic. Um, and he has a product called Bachan's Japanese Barbecue Sauce, um, which is authentic. It's his uh, grandmother's recipe. And believe me, you can put it on just about everything and, and up, up the quality of what you're eating. And maybe not on chocolate cake, but just about everything else. And maybe on chocolate. No, I don't think on chocolate cake. <laughs> and by, and by, by the way, it's also a, ra- a rather fascinating story with a happy ending so far, and I'm sure one that's going to get happier. So here's Justin. Okay, Justin Gill. Give, okay. Give, give us the scoop. <laughs> your, 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 your great-grandmother or your grandmother, is the product you have is named for her, but there's more to it than that. Um, yeah, just like you said, um, our brand is named after my grandmother, um, who I call Bachan, and that's uh, Japanese-American slang um, for grandmother. And she is the one who taught my parents how to make our sauce, and, and they all together kind of passed it down and taught it to me. Um, and I grew up, you know, making this sauce with my family every year during the holidays, and we would give it out um, as Christmas gifts to friends and family and clients with my dad's um, landscape company. Um, and, you know, every year people would just rave about it and, a few months later, they would ask for more, and they would bring their bottles to our house and see if they can get a refill. And I just noticed <laughs> from a young age, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, so I noticed from a young age that people really loved it, and it's just always kind of in the back of my mind as, you know, that maybe someday I could start a business with it. I was kind of an entrepreneurial kid, and I would actually always, you know, talk about business ideas I had with my bachan. And um, they actually, when we were growing up, they lived on her property um, in a granny unit. So I spent a lot of time with her and with my grandfather, um, who I called Jichan. And they were a big part of my life. And they, and my Bachan, you know, she still is. She she lives with my mom, and they both live about 10 minutes away from my house. And, you know, we see them all the time. Now, you're, um, you're in Sebastopol, right? Yeah, we're in Sebastopol. In Sonoma County. Sadly, yeah. sadly, the original Sebastopol is not, not not too far from Kiev in the Ukraine. Really? Was, you know, I've heard that. It was the site of a major battle bef- between the British and the Russians over over wow. the, over the rights to the Crimean Peninsula, which Just un- recently unfortunately was annexed by Russia. Yeah. <laughs> but, wow. But, and is it spelled with a, with a B or with a V? Sebastopol. Yeah. S-E-B. Okay, yeah, okay, wow, that's that's how it's spelled. And and I'm sure, I mean, it got its name, as did many um, American communities, from from some place in England, or Scotland, Mm. or Ireland, or Wales, mostly the English-speaking parts. But, but, but just, just to put the benchmark together, your grandmother came to the United States. Correct. Oh, uh, my great, my great, great grandmother came to the United yes. States. So she came to the states in the twenties, nineteen twenties. Okay, you weren't. Your family wasn't involved with that horrible atrocity during World War Two, was it? Oh, they, yes, they were. They were 
um, they were all, in, you know, all involved, and they were taken to uh, Camp Amachi in Colorado. Oh, um, yeah, when, when my bacha was she was six years old. Oh, what, a, what a disgrace, huh? Yeah, it's, it's a you know, it, was, it it wasn't a good time. That's that's for sure. It wasn't a good time in history for you know Americans in general, especially Japanese Americans. Um, but you seem so, to you seem to have recovered from it fairly well. Yeah. yeah. When did yeah. you start this com- company? Okay, so I um, well, we officially launched um, on July fourth of this year, and um, I was actually working on. Um, the, you mean, you mean two thousand? You mean two thousand nineteen? Yes, two thousand nineteen. Remember what? Launched. Remember what year it is now? <laughs> yeah. What's that? Sorry. I said, remember what year it is now? Yeah, yeah, 2020. So we just launched in um, July of 2019, and uh, I was actually work. I've been working on the, the sauce and, and the formulation that we have, and getting it to where it's at for actually about the past five years, kind of on the side. Oh, and great. I had a little commercial kitchen that I built out, and I was making it myself and kind of handcrafting it, and I sourced all the ingredients. And it, you know, from our family recipe, it took me about 47 different formulations to get it where it's at today. My goodness. Um, you said so your mainly just tweaked the original family recipe for this. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, it, they're small tweaks, but to get this product to be shelf stable without pasteurization, which was one of my goals from the beginning, um, was, was difficult. Um, but we're very, proud and happy to say that, you know, today we do have a um, shelf-stable product that hasn't, you know, that doesn't go through pasteurization, so it's cold-filled, um, which is which is probably our biggest differentiator, and that's kind of why it tastes, you know, a lot different than any other sauce out there in the market, because most sauces that you buy on the shelf um, are pasteurized, and as you guys probably know, when you pasteurize something... You totally change the flavor profile and you kill most of the flavors that are actually in the sauce naturally. And then you have to come back and um, usually add flavorings and preservatives to try to kind of recreate those flavors that were there before the pasteurization. Right. So I really don't have to keep the the bottle in the refrigerator. No, you do. I thought you did. Well, after you open it, um, have to, have we, to... we recommend that you do. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, no, I was just yes. uh, just trying to get that clarified. No, totally. Yeah, it's no. it's it's a it's a set of rather fascinating ingredients. Without giving away any trade secrets, what what's in this bachan? Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's it's um you know we only have ten ingredients, and that's another thing we're really proud of. There's there's no preservatives, like I said, no flavoring. No emulsifiers. A lot of sauces you'll see soy oil, canola oil, um, things like that to kind of uh, as fillers. Also, water will usually be your first or second ingredient um, because you know to get the cost of the sauce down. So we don't do any of that. Um, our ingredients are um, an authentic, traditionally brewed, uh, non-GMO uh, soy sauce. That's the base of our sauce, um, and then we use some cane sugar. We use real, authentic um, Japanese mirin, which is a really expensive ingredient, um, and it's actually pretty hard to source. That's why you don't see that in a lot of sauces, even Japanese sauces. Um, and then we do add a little tomato paste in there um, to give it some body. Um, 
and that's how that's um, one thing that makes it different from a lot of other you know teriyaki sauces uh, on the market. Um, and then we have uh, we use organic ginger, organic garlic, and green onion, um, and then also some rice vinegar, a little bit of sea salt to kind of enhance the umami flavor of the sauce, and some uh, toasted sesame oil. Delicious. I mean, it's a, um, uh, I, I, the taste is what sold me on it. Although I like all the um, the very special care you can, you take in production, and it's craft produced. Are you, yeah. are you thank, still are you still you making that, yeah. it in your kitchen or? <laughs> no, no, we we moved on from those days. Um, okay, and you know I've actually moved around to, of you know, quite a few different uh, manufacturing partners because um, you know quality control is a is a huge priority for us, and every manufacturer has kind of different levels of quality control and things that they prioritize higher than others and you have to find the perfect fit so um you know that's that that's kind of a journey that i think a, a lot of food brands go on is finding the right manufacturing partner and um we've actually we, we just moved to a, um, a new partner that's that's just a perfect fit they're in northern california um you know we we taste um the the, the sauce the samples at the kettle to make sure you know the flavor profile is there. Um, they, you know, they're they're great, and I think we're gonna be working with them for a long time. So um, it's, a, it's a huge piece of the puzzle we, we recently kind of solved. It's really funny. Some somebody told us once they work for a company called. Well, they they, they make they make beer in Czechoslovakia, and the original brewery where they started making this particular beer is still there with a brand spanking new one right next to it, and every day they compare the output of both breweries <laughs> to, to, make, to, make sure, to make sure it's still tasting the same. So it's very, it's very nice right. to see someone really caring about that. Yeah, you're in love with this product, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a family heirloom. You know, that's what, that's what kind of drove me to it, you know, in the first place. Is it's, it's a... You know, it's an extension of my family. It's a rep- representation of, of of my family legacy. So um, it just it, it's a really kind of purpose driven um, business, and it, it's it's really fun in that way. And yeah, I I, I do um, hold it very close to my heart, and I think that's 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 why it's um, it's kind of a special product. What did you do before? No, I, I, question, quick question I want to put in Randy. Sure. Do you do you put it on your cornflakes for breakfast? <laughs> nah, no, I don't put it on my cornflakes, but I bet you someone else there out there probably will. I mean, people, yeah, yeah, tell people us what send you me do. messages all the time. Yeah, tell us what you, what you do use this for, what one should use this for. So, you know what, um, I mean, what, what I've used it for growing up was, you know, we would have um, teriyaki or, you know, teriyaki um, or, you know, chicken. We, we call it a Japanese barbecue sauce now after we've made a few changes to it. But, we you know, we use it to marinate um, chicken that we grill or marinate um, a nice nice ribeye steak or a New York and and, um, and grill it up. We, we do that, you know, a lot. Um, we also use it um, in, in fried rice, which was something I grew up eating all the time. Um, and one of the things my, uh, my Bachan used to make for us 
when we go on, you know, ski trips with our friends in high school and things like that, we're, we're some uh, Cartage, um chicken wings. And that's one of my favorite things uh, to use it on. And we marinate the wings and then, and then fry them and then dip them again in the sauce. And it's just amazing flavor. And that recipe is actually on our website along with a bunch of other ones that, you know, are from my childhood, from my bachan, and then some new ones that we kind of developed um, as we rolled this product out. Be careful, be careful uh, who you talk to when you go to Buffalo, New York. <laughs> yeah, okay. They think they invented it. I, I've used it on several different things. I did, I did use it on a, on a ribeye steak that, that received really applause from, applause from my wife. She said, this is really, really good. What did you do? <laughs> I said, I put some of that chapo. Wow, well, that's that's an honor to come from you guys. I know you guys have a a deep uh, culinary background, so I really I get, appreciate that. And we get lots of different lots of different taste sensations because they yeah. they 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 in in the in the country as a whole, and especially all all the way down the eastern part of the country of the United States, there are different versions of what a barbecue sauce is supposed to contain. Does does the same thing happen in Japan, or or is everything pretty much like a standard teriyaki sauce with a better with a better menu of ingredients like yours? You know, in 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 Japan, you know, I mean, I guess what we would call it um, a teriyaki sauce um, over there. You know, a traditional what we would call teriyaki would would, would just be soy sauce, um, some mirin. And um, a little bit, you know, in some sugar. That's kind of the base of, of most um, teriyaki-like sauces in Japan. And you know, what's what's kind of interesting is, and what kind of um, kind of drove us to, to to call this something different than just a teriyaki sauce is when my family. I took my family over to Japan for for our first trip over there um, in 2017, and we were really excited to you know, to see all the different teriyaki sauces they had and talk to people that were making them and, and just learn about the history of the sauce. And we got over there and, and they don't, it's no, they don't have it over there. It's, it's an American um, term. It's an American <laughs> thing. So oh I was like that's, kind of mind blowing. That's um, true of a lot of dishes. People think I was American. I mean, it was fascinating right. that it turned out to be American. Where do you check out the, the derivation of the word ketchup? <laughs> I, I forgot. Right, I, I've forgotten what it is, but it's very complicated. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned the website. Why don't you give it to us? Yeah, sure. The website is uh, is just bachans dot com um, with an S. And, just uh, special. You make sure that people yep. put the S in it. Yes. Yeah. With an S. It's B as in boy. A C H A N S dot com. So actually, we're really happy to be able to get that one word domain and, and be able to have our brand just, just named Bachans. Um, it was really cool. Now, did, did I see it in Whole Foods the other day? You know, so um, we're, we actually just got accepted into Whole Foods, okay. uh, the, Nor- the NorCal region and the, uh, the South Pacific region, which includes Southern California. So okay. We'll be going. We'll be going into uh, 57 of the 63 Whole Foods in Southern California and the South Pacific, and then we're waiting to hear back on the store count for Northern California. But we'll be in quite a few of those as well. 
we're not in there yet, but um, we're we're rolling out into both those regions um, in May of this year. So I thought I'm super excited about that. I thought I saw it in my local store, which is not in California, of course. But uh, right. But I'm, but I'm sure. This, I'm sure apparently, get, people really like it, huh? You got good feedback. Yeah, we're getting great feedback. Um, I think know, it's terrific. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, we, you know, I, mean, really, I could get, sip it. Actually, is that good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was. Uh, I was going to uh, ask you. Could you? Could you dip your sushi in it? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, you can in uh, in. You can dip sushi in it. I mean, yeah, I can use it as a dipping sauce for appetizers, as a finishing sauce, as a marinade, as a grilling sauce. It's a really versatile sauce, and and um, yeah, it's really cool to get feedback from you know from people like you and and, and you guys and, and other chefs and things that I know. I mean, we're on the menu at um, a, a really you know high level ramen restaurant here in town, and yeah, I think it would be great um, with ramen. By the way, yeah, yeah, it's good in ramen and. I mean, you know, chefs, chefs don't, a lot of chefs don't use, you know, particularly use bottled sauces and we have a lot of chefs and winemakers and, and people like that using our sauce and giving us feedback. So, um, yeah, it feels really good to, to kind of get, get positive feedback from people inside the actual food industry. Now, your projections, do you intend your company to be a one product company? Um, no, so we, we actually, you know, our, our vision for the brand is, is, is to be the world's most iconic Japanese-American specialty food product brand. So, you know, when people think of Japanese-American specialty food products, we want them to think of Bachan, you know, the first right. one that comes okay. to their mind. Well, so that's kind of our grand vision. Well, um, I hope it works. I hope it's great that yeah. you did that. I hope, you still, you. I hope you'll still talk to us when you're famous. Oh, <laughs> uh, of course, of course. I'll never change. Uh no, but we, and you know, we're we, this is our you know our original sauce. Um, we really wanted to just kind of test it in the market first, and you know, see how people responded to it. And then um, we've gotten really good feedback on that. We have some other sauces we're developing right now. Some other um, kind of line extensions of our of our original. We're working with some really really good yuzu ingredients. Um, so we're going to be coming out with a yuzu version of our sauce and. We're trying to actually work on um, a black truffle version as well. Oh, uh, that, that would be that would be cool. That's yeah, cool. so we're excited about that. And we we found a really you know we're all about our ingredients. I mean, our, our tagline um, is "Our ingredients matter," and so you know it, it it makes it a lot harder to develop products when you know you when you have to find the best ingredients you can because they're they're hard to find, they're expensive, and and things like that, but um, we found a really cool truffle ingredient recently. That's it's actually their hydroponically grown black truffle. So, as you guys probably know, most you know most sauces that contain truffle or say the word truffle on them are just made with a with a, a truffle flavoring oh, or no. a, a just, truffle essence. There was a big company that sent me a press release about some sort of truffle product, yeah. and and uh, uh, I think it was truffle oil and I wrote back and it's a big company big well-known okay. famous company and I wrote yeah. back and uh, I mean I don't think they get a lot of questions so I asked them what they used for the truffle was it the flavoring you know the essence uh, or was it real truffles and they they were honest they came back and said it was 
the essence. It wasn't. Uh, it was a chemical. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's well, what it is. Well, there's a, there's a truffle festival that I think just just recently happened in Oregon. In, in California, no, there's one in California. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah, the one in. Oh, really? It's in, Na- it's in Napa somewhere. If you can't, Ooh, I didn't hear about that. if you can't track it down, give us a call or send us an email, and we'll I'll look I'll look it up. But I think I, think, I will. I think okay. if you go, if you Googled California truffle truffle festival. festival, you'll you'll find it, and you'll find some contacts there. And oh, cool! I'll we, we, we found out about that from there was a guy in England who was who had succeeded in growing truffles in England, if you remember. Mm-hmm. He, wow. had a, he had a, he had a colleague but in California. We, talk, we talked a, to the guy in um, in uh, uh, Australia, Western Australia. Oh yeah, well he's been he's he's been hugely successful. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow. Oh yeah, I see it right here. The Napa Napa Truffle Festival. Um, I'm definitely going to go to that. That's that sounds really cool. Well, I listen, love truffle. Listen, congr- congratulations on being off to a flying start with with your dream product. And we wish you the best, and we hope we'll get more of all the new stuff when it comes out. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely, you guys are on my list. I'll uh, I'll send you all the all the new stuff we make for sure. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Justin Gill. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Peter and Ann. I really appreciate. It. Okay, so we're signing off as usual. Yep. Please join us again, same time, same place next week, and until then, bye bye.